What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Fast Track. I'm your host, Greg Helbeck. And on this podcast, you are going to learn exactly how to be a successful real estate investor step by step by me interviewing some of the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the entire country. And there's also going to be a bunch of episodes where I'm just going to individually talk about real estate deals that I've done that have been successful, some deals that haven't been successful. I'm going to talk about my weekly real estate investing lessons, stuff that I've learned from the trenches that you can learn for free on this podcast. So if you're looking to level up your game as a real estate investor or become a real estate investor, this is the podcast to listen to. So if you do get value from the show today, please do me a favor and leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on so we can get this message in front of more people. And without further ado, welcome to the show. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with my buddy Alex, first in-person podcast here in Reno. So happy to have you on the show, buddy. And looking forward to talking about how you went from new investor to being like the biggest wholesaler in Northern Nevada by a long shot. So for quite the journey, you've done it, what, in five years? Yeah, six years in, right? Yeah, now. so yeah. You, you grew pretty quick. So before we get into the real estate, how did you... And what, what, where'd you grow up and what'd you do before real estate, bro? We live in Reno now. I'm from Garnerville, originally about an hour south of the Arab, small town. God's guns and Donald Trump is like the, oh, is that Garnerville? Yeah, in nutshell, in nutshell, yeah. Is that near Carson City, kind of a little bit farther south? All right, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a it's a good sized town. That's you know we have a lot of small towns in Nevada, but yeah, you know it's it's big enough where it's not like a meth town, not like breaking bad shit. No, okay. um, you know some places in Lyon County and stuff where we do deals like those are more like meth towns. Yeah, I say. but yeah, Garnerville's got a good mix of everyone down there. So I grew up down there. I grew up like racing motocross and stuff like that. And I've been up here for about 13 years now. Yeah, had had somewhat of an interesting life, I guess, just like a weird path. You definitely do have an interesting background because I was like, I remember we we met for lunch once and I was like, I was doing for real estate. Like I was a rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From fucking Barterville. Right. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a lot of rap down there. No, yeah, there's not not big on rap, but yeah. So when I moved up here, you know, I was going to school and stuff and I just hated it. You and R? Yeah, for a little bit. It's where everyone goes, right? Right. Yeah. And then back yeah. in, you know, I'm dating myself, but graduated in 2009 and they had like some crazy scholarship shit back then. When yeah. The economy was bad. So it was like very inexpensive to go. Sure. But I only went just because my mom wanted me to. And then I finally got sick of it and quit. So you yeah. graduated high school and on? Yeah. All right. So you're, what are you, 30? Three? 30 to a year early. So I was like young for my class, or whatever. We have got in 32. But yeah, so I was a bus boy. Okay. At the Atlantis here in town. Oh, yeah. Right down the G Street, bro. And then, uh, yeah, I transferred to the ballet there. So I worked there. I worked, worked ballet for a while. Okay. It's cool. It's one of those jobs that like sucks dit when you do it. Yeah. Like when you look back. Yeah, like, yeah. That was sick. That was yeah, yeah. Job, you know? So actually our dispo manager now, Cody, that's where I met him. We used to work at the ballet together back in the day. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. So... But yeah, so in that time, like basically right when I moved up here all the way until, you know, 2020, I guess four years ago now, I was doing music and like moderately successful with that. And so I was kind of just like working and then I was treating music like my job and I would just work to like pay the bills. Sure. You live on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't make shit. Yeah. I was used to like living on literally nothing, like the cheapest human or it used to be, I'm getting a little bit better as like the cheapest human, which made it easy to transition into wholesaling. You know, we'll get into that because I was just used to, I had no overhead like in life, you know, like rent, roommates, like cheapest food possible. Robin noodles. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, I was doing music and I got, had some like decent success with that, like 
you know, I always have to frame it because when you hear someone that's like, I used to be a rapper, like everyone yeah. has that image of like yeah. who that looks like. You Didn't know? you have long hair too? Yeah, a mullet. You yeah. had a mullet and yeah, fucking beard. Yeah, 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 beard for a bit afterwards. After I quit, after I finally got to quit my job, that's when I could get a beard because I had to be clean shaven. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So yeah, like at the at the ballet, it was such a job that like. Like they didn't give a fuck at all. So like, I would just, I would, I just worked hard. Like when I was there, I'm like, I'm going to stay the whole shift, eight hours. Yes. It's just like a job for dirtbags pretty much. Like most of the people that work there, they work like three hours and then they want to go home. So when yeah. they start cutting staff, they get sent home because they want to. And I always wanted to stay. But when you stay, the tips get split between less people. So you end up making like three times as much money if you stay the whole shift. Oh, yeah, because the idiots who got cut out first lost on the whole, yeah. you know, back half of the tip jar. Yeah, and yeah. more because now there's less guys. So, yeah, if you stay three hours, you're lazy as fuck. Like, you make 20 bucks in tips and then you leave. And then, like, if you stay eight hours, you make 100 or 120 bucks in tips. So yeah. I just, like, stayed, you know, five days a week. I was just there the whole time. And then I was doing music in all of my spare time other than that. And then it got to the point where like, all right, I only want to work four days now. It's like, okay, you know, there's no yeah. like, no, this is a nine to five job type thing. And then I started making a little bit of money in music. And then I cut down to two days at the ballet because I'm like, I'm only working two days now. And they're just like, okay. Yeah. So that was just like enough. I made like 1200 bucks a month at the ballet at that point, just to like pay my rent and like my food and that's it yeah, yeah. and then i just had five days off to do music the whole yeah. so with that you know i had we kind of treated it like a band after a certain point i had a couple guys here in town garrett and alan garrett garrett was like our engineer so we like recorded at his home studio and then alan was our producer so like he made all the beats and then like i wrote everything and then we kind of like collaborated on like melodies and stuff because like i don't have a music background it was just like something that was like well i'm fucking bored and like yeah. I don't want to have a real job. So like, I'll yeah. just, I'll try this. And then yeah, like, once you go into that, at least for myself, I, you know, I probably just, I don't like quitting. So I'm just like, this is what I do now. And I just, yeah. that's how it holds it too, pretty much. But so we kind of figured like a band, like I was like the face fit, but it was like a three-way effort. And then we would just split everything three ways that comes in. All the revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So still to this. So a wholesaling business too. Simple. Yeah. yeah. And that's Got the thing is like, you know, without being Fiki, like there is no real estate company because it's just like the progression. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, that's where I learned like my first little bit about like quote unquote business, like a little bit of like teamwork, a little bit of like revenue expenses, you know, coordinating music videos and touring and doing all this other stuff. Also, oh, you, you would go out of the Nevada area mm -hmm. to do this? Yeah, yeah. Where have you gone? But all over the U.S. Yeah. East Coast, fucking Florida, like the whole thing. Yeah, we did. Texas. We did work tour in No shit. Vans work tour. Dude, I thought we did one of those. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. So 2017, we did the whole tour. So that's mostly like where I was went went all over yeah and i've had a couple of like smaller like regional tours and stuff around that same time and then yeah so i learned learned a lot through that and like, just like marketing and you know branding putting with, yourself out there yeah. yeah man and that's why like you know you know because you post a lot of content but a lot of people in real estate are scared to post things or at least scared to be themselves like they yeah think that real estate is some like buttoned up industry where you got to be robot guy yeah, and, no. and they just don't understand that like when I was speaking, like as soon as I, cause I had that problem too for the first few years. And then as soon as I was just like, fuck it, I'm just going to do exactly what I want. I'm going to get the mullet because I think it would be funny. And I'm just going to like 
that I kind of just fell into the branding thing that way. Yeah. But that's when the numbers started to go crazy. Yeah. Because now I was like memorable and I stood out and I was also polarizing. I learned that, that it was just like, you know, either when you saw the video on Facebook, yeah, I had, you know, back then Facebook was like TikTok is now yeah. going viral. It's huge. So, you know, I have videos that have like 8 million views on Facebook and stuff like that. And so I would, I would just study them because I was just obsessed. Like, why did that video make people scroll and like, yeah. or not scroll? And then like, you know, the kind of negativity bias that people have, like that I would use as the captions. So it, it's almost like you trick people into thinking that this is going to be really bad. Yeah. And then when they click on it and they think you're awesome, that's like a fan forever. They're like, they'll comment and be like, dude, that was sick. Like you're fucking awesome. And then the other people, they think it's going to be really bad and it is bad to them. They'll definitely let you know too. Yeah. yeah. That's what people miss in real estate content because they try to be like this robot guy. And like, if that's how you are fine. But the problem is most people are not like that. Like I meet these guys at events and they talk just like I do, but their content, you know, they just try to be exactly like the other guys that are doing real estate. They just content. copy all the other people and they don't stand out. No one gives a fuck. Yeah. That's that's the problem. You're just yeah. like indifferent. Even if the content's good, it's educational, you're good on camera, whatever, no one cares because like there's someone else out there that's more credible than you that already mastered that like specific thing. So, you know, that I learned that from music and just a bunch of other things. And so yeah, when I when I got warped rest, when I finally quit my job at the ballet and then just did that. And then that's also, so that was in summer of 17. And that's when I started learning about wholesaling. So I decided that when I got back from tour, I wasn't going to like go back to work. I was going to now dedicate that time to trying to wholesale. Sure. And so I listened to this whole, this podcast called Wholesaling Inc. And back then Tom Kroll, bro. Yeah. 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 I know it's still, it's He's a thing. Yeah. yeah. Brent Daniels bought that from Tom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And back then I remember there was only like 135 episodes or something. I know there are like thousands now, yeah, but yeah. you know, it was like, and of course every episode is like a mini pitch for the coaching, which I couldn't afford. Yeah. So before I went out on four, while I was parking people's cars, I was listening to that podcast and I would put it in my uniform like this. And I had notes on my phone that like, anytime I would hear a nugget that I didn't know, I would put it in my notes. So at the end of all 135 episodes, I listened to all of them. I had basically the notes on my phone, like blueprint on like, basically this is how wholesaling works. Yeah. You like pieced it together kind of like by episode by episode. Mm -hmm. That's fucking awesome. Dude. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I got into wholesaling. How'd you find that wholesaling? Like, how did you discover wholesaling? Because you could have found crypto, you could have found stocks, you could have found fucking, you know, e-com, all those other yeah. things. Like, what, what about wholesaling? How did you get into that? Like, best, what made you find that? Yeah best piece of advice I ever got was from my buddy's boss, who was not a real estate guy. He's like a business guy, but he had owned real estate in the past. So like most people, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad in like 2011, like a long time ago. Okay. I didn't do anything with the information, but I, that was like the ship for me, like it does for most people. And then, you know, I was always like, I, I want to do apartments. I want to do apartments. And this was probably 2015 when I met with this guy and he I only met with him because I literally didn't know anyone that had ever like done real estate at all. Your parents never did it? No. Where'd your parents do? Well, my my family is kind of weird. Like I would I would think I was adopted if I didn't look just like my dad. No shit. You know, like like the apple fall doesn't fall far. Like, yeah, yeah. I was born on a hill. I, yeah. Like I I rolled yeah. very far away. And my parents were hella old. So Oh, they're a lot of okay. Yeah, my dad was 60 when I was born. Oh wow. Okay. Like, my mom was like 39. Okay. So 
when we moved to Nevada, I was born in California. We moved up here when I was five. So okay. my dad was 65. So he like retired and then we moved here. Yeah. So yeah. I had a stay at home dad, but he always looked like 20 years younger than he was. And he was like active and stuff, not like in the gym, but just like, and then my mom just like, you know, she's, she just retired finally, like a couple months ago, she just worked at the state, like, you know, normal job. So yeah. I'm, so you didn't come from money or anything like that? No. no, no, no. My parents have a, a decent house, but you know, I learned about being what house broke is from them. Yeah. Yeah. And for yeah, sure. I think that parents, like they do the best that they can for sure. For the most part, unless they're like bad people are yeah, just assholes. Yeah. assholes. Yeah. They shouldn't have kids. Not. Yeah, right. 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 So, <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah. that they did the best that they We did. see this in our business. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. On a daily um, basis. So they did the best that they could. And, but I just had like very little like leadership in the household. Sure. A lot of guidance. You an only child? Only child. Yeah. No siblings. That. No, I have two half siblings that are like our sellers sometimes, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really bad, but they're you know they're old enough to be parents because they're from my dad's previous marriage. Yeah, so they're probably in their forties and fifties. Probably, I haven't even talked to them in at least fifteen. They're probably in their mid fifties now. Yeah, yes, yeah. so they could be your parents. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, not not from like an entrepreneurial family by any means or anything like that. Yeah, and, and yeah, so I just didn't know anyone that like did business or did real estate or anything. And this was the only dude I was like, well, he's had like rentals, I think. Yeah, and so I met with him. And I found just like, I found a couple of deals off of like LoopNet and like a free underwriting spreadsheet for apartments. And I, would, yeah. I just met with him just to see if I was doing it right. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the one that gave me like good advice. And he was like, yeah, this is right. But you know, the problem is you don't have any money. And even if you did, no bank is going to loan you, you know, $3 million for this 40 unit, even if you have the down payment without track record. I'm like, all right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I did an apartment. Yeah, they're fucking hairy, dude. They're yeah. very complicated. Right. It's not just like getting a hard money loan and flipping a fucking SFR. Yeah. And that's you now knowing what you're doing. So, so yeah. at the very beginning, yeah, yeah. Was, I like, had a lot of experience when I did it. Yeah. 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 That, I'm glad it wasn't like, go for it. Like, you yeah. got it. Like, this is right. And he was like, if I were you, I'd put this on the back burner. Apartments are always going to be there and just focus on how you can make more money now. That's very good advice, dude. That guy did you a real solid by giving you that advice. Now it's in full. Oh, good. You could see a deal. You're fucking 22 years old. Right. Like, go raise it yeah. from your fucking. Yeah. Now, but oh, not, for sure. Not yeah. back then. Yeah. It's not like we were brand new. So I was like, okay. And did nothing for more years. You know, I was still doing music and stuff. And and then I, like, I'd heard, I had heard of it before, just like podcasts and stuff. But then that's when I rediscovered wholesaling just like randomly, I think through podcasts. With yeah, podcasts. probably the way to come to these podcasts. I think it was Street of Pockets, probably someone's episode that was talking about wholesaling. And then that's where, you know, that's the pitch for the wholesaling course is like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing and you have no money, you be yeah. sale. So I was like, <laughs> right, I, I think I can do that. Just yeah, that's like, awesome. You know, like, yeah. oh, well, you know, that's how I can make money. All right, cool. Yeah. And then that's when I started learning. Okay, so that's how you got into it. So the biggest problem with new wholesalers, because you went from new wholesaler to the biggest wholesaler in Puerto Rico, which is not an easy thing to do. So how did you get to your first deal? Because a lot of new people come to me, and I'm sure they come to you, and I'm like, listen, the only thing that matters is doing your first deal. See if you even like the fuck yep. business. Yeah. So how'd you run into that one? I got very lucky in my first deal, knowing what I know now. You know, I was taking action. You know, I was putting out bandit signs and... You know, I was putting like ads on Craigslist that say, you know, like we buy houses, but you know, the direction on that is that's to build your buyers list. Yeah. Which did work. You know, people would respond just like, you know, the people said. Well, sure, sure. But I got my first deal off of one of those ads. It was the only deal I'd ever done. I've, I bought a couple off Craigslist now. I think we've done like 
five or six between Craigslist and Zillow for sale by owner in six years. So it's like very few and far between. But that's the only one where they contacted me off of an advertisement, not they had the house listed. Yeah, like I buy houses, call me for an offer. And he actually did. Yeah. Because it was only buyers. It was never a seller contact off of that. But this guy did. And he was like... 100%, 150% 100%, 150% motivated seller. And like now- this Where was he in Reno or was he in another market? So he lived in a garage in Sparks. He lived in a garage? Yeah. So like it Jesus. wasn't his house, but he was living in the garage. He worked in like a fast food place over there, just like an absolute train wreck of a human. Yeah. Tons of issues. And his house was a mobile home in a park in South Lake Tahoe, which is in California. That's so like, now- That's like an hour from here, at least- Hour and a half, probably, yeah. It's a fucking ride. Yeah, because it's at the way south end of South Lake. Oh, and past Heavenly and shit? Yeah, past that. Deep. Probably 20 minutes past him. Oh, yeah, fuck, dude. Way deep. Yeah, that's a hike. And so... Jesus Christ. I didn't know what I was doing, and but I was like, oh, shit, like, this is a seller, you know? Yeah, yeah, I talked yeah. to a few sellers already. This guy sounds different. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. all right. We're going to pool. So, you know, I got a little bit of info. I had no sales process. I didn't know qualifying leads. Like, I didn't know shit, of course. Yeah. How could I? And so I talked to him a bit, and... I just like did my best on Zillow. You know, I went and I like drew around the park and then I switched it to sold. And I'm like, all right, well, this one like sold for 60 grand mobile home park. Luckily they had the sold data on there because most probably because it's California, because in Nevada, they don't have the sold data for any personal property mobile homes because it's not real estate. It's not public. Yeah, it's a big car. Yeah, exactly. It's like five of the park. Luckily I could have some comps there. Another way I got lucky with that deal and Cali does mobile homes a lot differently. You go through escrow yeah. for mobile homes. Yeah, Cali. yeah, San Diego, I've had that happen. Yeah, so that was another. Basically, in this first deal, like everything went wrong that could have, except it actually closed. That's insane, dude. Yeah. So this was so you, you bought a mobile home, you wholesale a mobile home in a mobile home park. That's fucking wild. First deal. I've never done that before. Oh, really? In a park. Yeah. Never in a park. We've done a few of them, but they're they're so different and they're <laughs> they're worthless. It's like so, buying it to like a park. Yeah, it's very hard to make the numbers work. And so for him. You know, I, I really just didn't know. I had no clue what rehab was. I have a construction background, but I saw one that was like, there's brand new homes in the park selling for like 120 and 140, brand new mobile homes. And then I saw this like older one like this, like the one I was working on. Like an 80s and 90s bill? I think it was even like a late 70s. Oh, right. single wide or double wide? Double wide, but just Fuck. garbage. And, That's you know, he, I didn't know the questions to ask for like conditioning. Yeah, that, yeah. But I was just like, all right, I'm 60... I think that's like my ARB. And so like, I pretty much, I was like, well, he's never going to accept this anyway. So I told him, I was like, we could give you 7,500 bucks for it. And he was just like, okay. And it was vacant, I'm guessing. Yeah. So the motivation there was like divorce, you know, the the kids and the mom, you know, somehow screwed him over or whatever. And yeah. He can't go back to the house too much emotional damage. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he's down here. He's working down here now. He's behind. He doesn't pay for the space rent. So the park's up his ass. They're going to take the home back. Yeah. It's accruing. It's like an HOA. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like 5k behind. Oh the- man. So he missed the payment for like, wow. that's like three or four years. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, you know, I even explained to him, over explained everything on the first deal. Cause I didn't know. So you, yeah. know, you have to tell everyone everything. And so I went through the math with him. I was like, well, if you owe this much and, you know, you guys hang out, it's 2000, walk away, whatever. You're going to lose it, bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's like, okay. So I go over to his garage in Sparks and sign the contract. (laughs) Fucking literally like read it to all because I didn't know. This is crazy shit, dude. Yeah. And so I got it signed. And then I went to a meetup here in town. Like I put together a little marketing package or whatever. 
And I was scared shitless to go. It was my second meetup the, the month before I was like scared shitless to go. And then the second meetup, I had a deal. This yeah. Month, had some printouts and stuff. So I kind of said that. And I talked to this dude there that was from South Lake, and he was also a contractor. And he's like, yeah, I don't want it, but like, you know, I'll come by. I got nothing to do tomorrow. I was having an open house the next day. Sure. Like six. I had like three or four buyers lined up, I think four total with him that were going to meet me up there at this open house thing that I got off of my shitty Craigslist buyers list. Yeah. And no one showed up except for him. He was the only guy that came. The first guy. The contract. Yeah, yeah the contract. He, got, he was like, oh, I got nothing going on. I'm yeah. just going to show up at a fucking moment. Yeah, but I was like, dude, it would be awesome if you came just to let me know like how much you think rehab is because that would be like very helpful for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll stop by. So he comes and then he told me that he's like, yeah, I think we spent about 30000 in here. So like that, I just remember the look of that home. And like, to me, that was a $30,000 rehab. Like that's the only reference I had for a future. And so he ended up buying it too. Like, you know, he came and walked in. So you got it for 7,500, what'd you sell? I was trying to market it for 20K. Okay. And then, you know, you're all excited counting money. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because like, that's why wholesaling was appealing to me. And I would go pound bandit signs to look frozen tundra around here at midnight. Because like the thought of making 5K at one time was like insane. You know, I would do it. How long would that take you to do your job when you're a valley guy? Exactly. I make three bucks a month, 40 hours a week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's why I was willing to do it. And so I'm like, dude, I'm going to make like, you know, 15 grand off this, like we balling. And so it it kept getting dwindled down. And he was like, basically said he would do 12.5. And I was like, all right, well, you know, 4,500 bucks. And that's not bad for my first deal. And then like all the regular drama that we deal with all the time started from there. And, you know, the sellers blowing me up at 3 a.m. Like I had PTSD for my Google voice sound. You know? Oh, yeah, dude. Wait, that's you know, so funny. Google voice. You know, that me up, like deals off, you know, like all of the stuff. And then dude, I would hit him up the next door. Oh, on mobile home. Yeah. And then it was crazy. Yeah, whatever we had going on. And then I'd text him back the next morning or call and be like, hey, like, what's going on? And he's like, disregard bad thoughts. Stuff like that. Dude, I literally deal with this like all three times a week. Right. Exactly. Normal now. I should have yeah. ran right there. Desensitization, but I want. Yeah. And so my feet kept getting dwindled down in other ways. You know, then he didn't realize that he had to pay for the debt, even though I explained it to him very clearly. Seller. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't we had to like that. split that. And then the, the transaction went another month long. So I had to pay for that month's space rent. When it's all said and done, I couldn't find a title company because it's personal property. And it was in California. Yeah. They finally did that. Contract was wrong because personal property, not real estate. Yeah, you did. I'm hitting up the title lady that does those. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what do you need in it? And she helped me out. She's like, just use this. And she sent yeah. another contract, re-signed it, whatever. And then when it was all said and done, you know, I made $2,087 on the first deal. Better than zero, bro. You got proof of concept on. Yeah. And that's what was important. Like, I could have made, like, I could have broke even. Yeah. But the experience of... Front to back, millions, bro. Okay, this works. Yes, that's what was important, dude. That's fucking a killer first deal, dude. Yeah, mobile home in South Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. That's fucking crazy. So obviously you've grown your business tremendously since then. So we're gonna unpack your business before we unpack the business. What does the business look like today? Yeah. So we uh, basically, you know, just quick backstory. Like I did the wholesaling thing for like eighteen months on my own. I probably did about eighteen deals total. So okay. like on average, one a month. You all this great out here. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for not knowing. Yeah, yeah, dude. And so my partner now, Wes, he used to work for a company called Wedgwood and they're like a huge business. Yeah. Huge. They, they buy in many different states, big household company. So he was a project manager for them. So that's where he learned how to flip. 
and he flipped like 75 houses in his couple of years with them. And back then, that was pre-COVID, Wedgwood, basically their entire business model is buy at the steps. And yeah. they don't do any direct sell or no marketing, no yeah. source of deals, nothing. So he would get bonus if he could bring in any deals. So that's why we knew each other because he reached out to me, super cool guy, really really smart. And so every time I would sell them a deal, I would do it through him so he would get his bonus or whatnot. He wanted to go out on his own. And then he saw something in me to want to partner with me or sure. And then... So we partnered up like June of 2019, and then we started wholesaling and flipping. And it's basically like, and I got so lucky again with Wes, knowing what I know now about partners and stuff. And we just had opposite skill sets, opposite personalities. It's like what you need for a good partnership. Oh, for we sure. Got like two visionaries or whatnot. Oh, no. And so he just, it could have been literally anyone in front of me that day yeah. I met for coffee and like, we should partner up. And I would have been like, oh, sure, bro. Cause I've just always had an attitude. Like I got nothing to lose and I'll go right back to the valet if I need to. Yeah. And like, even right now, years later, like the same guys still work there. And like, I could just walk back in and be like, all right, I work here again. And they'd yeah. be like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. So that was always my attitude towards everything. Just said yes to that. So we, we started, you know, our business now at that time. And just kind of grew it, you know, over what's it been? That's for almost five years. Yeah. It worked a period of time, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, now, well, at that time, you know, we started flipping, you know, we did like our first couple of flips and still wholesaling here and there and stuff, but just like rolling with the punches and fucking, you know, getting a lot of help with the market, you know, knowing. No, oh, that was right when that run-up was happening, dude, especially around here. I didn't live here back then, yeah. but dude, it, Reno blew yeah. the fuck up, bro. Yeah, we had like three flips like right at the beginning of COVID. And again, it was just like, well, I guess we'll keep moving forward because we don't have shit else to do. Yeah, what else do you have there? So, God, that's how you pass. Was yeah. flight crazy around here with COVID or people didn't give a shit? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, more rural, like they don't give a shit. Yeah, you know, like here in Reno. Fuck now. Yeah. So, yeah, we kind of made it through that. And then the market started ripping right after that. So it was like the more you fucked up on the flips and the longer you held it. The more you made. So, you know, we're buying at, you know, 10% ROI thinking that we're going to make 30K on a flip and we ended up making 60 on yeah. a single deal. So, when we used to flip a lot, you know, our average profit per deal was 57,000. But most of that was just at least half of it was like getting help with the market. It's not like yeah. you know, we're superb house flippers and had this like dialed in business. You had a tail, you had a, a good tailwind mm -hmm. coming at your back. Yeah. Yeah. Until it didn't. And then, you know, well, you guys got stung pretty bad on a couple of projects, yeah, right? Really bad. So June of 22, we had just hired our acquisition manager at that time. We're really excited about him and we're just getting him trained up. And then we had like 10 active rehabs and we had been, you know, kind of like skipping parts, you know, just yeah. like failing on our own, not really know what we're doing, not being a part of any like groups, no yeah. print for how to do it, anything like that. Just, just kind of flying by the seat of your hands. Yeah. Wheeling deals, making offers, fucking, you yeah. know, just yeah. being just an absolute dumpster fire, really. Yeah. And I know how that is. Yeah. So, you know, we joined Pineda's mastermind in spring of... 22. Is that called Future Flipper? It was Future Flipper back then. Now That's it's Wealthy well Investor. Yeah. yeah. And huge shout out to my boy Ray from Vegas, Ray Rodriguez, like one of the most genuine and helpful dudes ever. And he was always trying to get us to come down there because he went to school here for a year or something. Oh, yeah. And like saw me on Instagram somehow. And then, you know, we kind of stayed in touch and stuff. And he was from Vegas and he worked for Pineda at the time doing acquisitions and stuff. And so he got us down there. And then that was the first time when we went and got to walk Pineda's office, you know, that 
operation where it kind of became real for me. And I was like, oh shit, like more, this is doable. Like this yeah. is not that far away. Like this is attainable, you know, yeah. how much volume they did. And they, that's when they were only flipping a lot too, and not really wholesaling, which is what we wanted to do. I was like, oh, like there's like 12 people that work here. Like this is not Wedgwood. This is not like some crazy. Yeah, it's not like a 150 person company yeah. where it's like, you know, there's an HR yeah. office. It's and they like could do, it's, I yeah. think they were doing like a hundred or 150 flips a year or something in Vegas and with 12 people. I'm like, oh, okay. And then we joined up and like, we had kind of the blueprint on like what to do. And that was the first time ever that I got to sit like this with other people that we're doing like more than us too. So that yeah. was super valuable. Because around here, there's not too many big boys in Reno. I think yeah. Reno, it's a small town. Mm-hmm. It ain't Vegas or freaking Dallas. There, there are big flippers here, but it's just like kind of a different operation. Like most of them are like really solo guys. Like the guys yeah. that do a lot of volume, everyone has a little bit different setup. You know, now I know all of them from yeah. doing the wholesaling thing so long, but you know, most of them are just like hardcore self-employed, all their businesses are dumpster fires, like, and they just like go out and close and they rely heavily on like a single contractor. The yeah. contractor does all the project management for them. And like, that's what they want. Or, or maybe they just don't know to turn it into a real business and they make hell of money. And you know, that's kind of the end of it. And so I saw like a different path there and I got to sit round table with like some some really smart guys and like specifically Clint Cooper was one of them in my group. That was the first time I met Clint. And he was just like, you could just tell he was a fucking G. And he was only like 18 months into the business, already crushing. Yeah. And he was the one that the way he talked about hiring people was so much different. He was so aggressive. He was like, my COO, like I already knew him. I knew that was my guy. Like I paid him salary to get him in the door. It wasn't like just whoever you think can do the job. He was like, that's my guy. You work for me now. Yeah. And so that's when we got back, we started looking for an acquisition manager and that's how we treated it. Like we just knew at that point through bad hires and like not having really like defined roles and not training enough and things like that. It's like, we just need like a really, really good candidate, a lot of time training and things like that. Yeah. So we had just hired him at that time and then the market shifted. And we Big had, time. This is when the rates went up. Huge. Yeah. Right yeah. 22, we had like, nine or 10 active rehabs at the time. And then locally here, I know it's different in market to market. Locally, it was just like no buyers are in the marketplace, retail buyers. Scares. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I sold a flip in May and the the fucking shit fan in like June. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. Just overnight, as you know, we saw in our in our big competitors like Wedgwood and another group here that do, you know, several hundred flips a year locally. We saw then the, the last one that we had bought the first week of May before, before all this happened, we took it too tight. It was a deal from an agent. We wanted to like perform and stuff like that. Yeah, I've been there, bro. Yeah. Never really works out in a profitable manner. We were going to check you like, so what had for us in the past because of the- Well, yeah, the upswing in the market. market. Now you're going in a fucking downturn. Yeah. And you know, when, when the market was so hot back then, like we always had a good product, but you could get away with doing like dog shit rehabs. And oh yeah, because anything was selling because there was no other There was no other option for the buyers. Yeah and the rates and stuff like that. So with this house, we were planning on doing like a dog shit rehab and then listings for less than what ARV was. So I remember, you know, it was over in Sparks and it was like 425 ARV. We're like, we're going to put, you know, 20, 25K into this and sell it for 400. We're going to make our, you know, 25, 30 grand super tight and then walk. Yeah. Then that happened. And then we had the two competitor 
great comps, full rehabs, lifted yeah. right at 425. Yeah. And then we saw those overnight cut to 400. Oh, fuck. And we, disaster. But these guys, you know, in the past, they're, it's such a different game that they play because of the volume. They don't cut like that. They, they don't care how long it takes to sell. They'll just let it sit on market forever. So when we saw them cut huge like that, we're like, oh shit, they're scared. And we called the listing agents and, you know, like what's the traction been like? They're like, we haven't even had a showing in two weeks. We're like, oh fuck. So we saw that deal immediately went to break even, yeah. possibly less. And then the inventory started to stack up because everyone got scared and sell now and all this stuff. And so then at that point, it's like, well, now you can't do the dog shit rehab. You have to have a nice product. Because it has to stand out if yeah. you won't even have a chance to sell them. So that was, you know, the last one that we ended up buying. Then we had to do a full rehab. And, you know, I know we lost money on that. On all of those projects, you know, they went to like all of these now either break even or lose money. And then so like Q3 and 4 of 2022 and then into Q1, all we did was pivot to wholesaling because we just hired our good AM. It's like, yeah, oh, we're going to keep the machine going. And you want to give him volume. You want to yeah. give him, you know, quicker closings, not these, you know, five-month sales cycles yeah. where you're making exact $1,000. And so, you know, it's like, let's, let's clear up all this inventory in the meantime. And that was the first time that I ever got scared with debt and stuff. And that's just me being stupid and not understanding like what I'm signing for, because like I am personally guaranteeing all the loans. Oh, hard money's all PG. We're at, we're at hundred percent financing on every single deal. Yeah. And then you do the math and like, oh shit, we have like 4 million out right now. And we're just want to work a month just in payment. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> that happened. And then we're like, all right, well, let's, you know, just wholesale everything that comes in. We'll work on this and then we'll like reassess from there. So those six months and even, you know, trailing into last year, 23, were really, really tough. And we ended up losing a couple hundred thousand in total on those deals. We were like minus 110 net profit on a single deal, a multifamily, not too far from here, actually. Is that the one over? It was on uh, 7th Street by Roller Kingdom over here. Oh, yeah. I mean, is that the one on the MLS you were telling me about? Yeah, we bought it off the MLS. Everything went right. Yeah. You know, but we we learned a lot through all of this stuff. Yeah. And specifically with that deal, you know, we learned lessons that we wouldn't do again, you know, next time. So we were working on that. It was like huge capital issue for the company. And anytime I had wholesaled up until then, you know, I didn't really have like a dispo process. I would just call the buyer that I know. Yeah. yeah. The buyers don't buy buyer. this, you know, 5KT. That's what wholesaling was. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then we were just flipping everything because you would make so much more. We never Yeah, and the, the retail market was going to max you out. You didn't have to worry about like leaving money on the table because the yeah. market is what the market is. Yeah. So for the next year, from basically June to you know even past June of 23, we had an acquisition manager. He was trained up really, really good. And then you know I stepped into the dispo role and then just like built out that role and like real processes. Yeah, yeah. That system to make it like more of a real business. Like a predictable factory. Mm -hmm. We're like yep. a process for selling. This is how we just so, like calling up fucking Rick down the street and saying, right. Rick, what can you do here? Yep, exactly. So, you know, I spent all my time doing that pretty much. And then we just hired our first like full-time dispo manager in October of 2023. So yeah, that took like over a year just to do that. And then, but then by that time, you know, we just like stopped doing like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and like just focused on wholesaling, yeah. making these losses in the background and stuff. But we knew just like for the time being, we're not even going to think about taking deals down. We're only going to wholesale. So like, how do we get better at marketing? How do we get better at sales? How do we improve all the front end process for acquisitions? Yeah. How do we get better at dispo? Because now like our overhead didn't change at all, but we cut our average profit 
by probably in third, you know? Yeah. So now the business doesn't work anymore if we're not making 57K per deal. Yeah. So we're tightening up overhead. How do we do more with the same type thing? How do we get more fee per deal? So like yeah. fast forward to today, you know, we have like our average fee size is 30K on the wholesale. That sounds like right on par with what Reno should be. Yeah. Like 30, 35. Exactly. Yeah. someone that actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. Like a real wholesaler. Yeah. Not some schmuck. Yeah. Like exactly. that 30, 35,000 in this area with the competition yeah. and the house price that that's like totally like a yeah. normal thing to expect. So now we know, you know, it becomes more predictable as you get farther along with your, you know, your KPIs and like you're tracking all that stuff and just knowing like, okay, like if we make $30,000 per deal, like we know what our cost per lead is, cost per contract, all yes. those things. You're probably, what do you works? It's probably like $7,000 right now, cost per contract. Yeah, they were a little bit less than that, you know, and it changes That's all the time. Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I think our... I think our target cost per contract is like 4,500 bucks. That's really good. Sure. Yeah, that's it blended. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, and obviously it changes yeah. the channel and stuff like that. So that's like our target. And then, you know, we we dispo for 30K on average. That math works at scale. Yeah, yeah. You can, so, you can scale that pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, because the 4,500 to make 30, you know, you have net profit, you have, you know, Commissions, software. There's, there's money left software. over for labor and softwares and yeah. office and other overhead and stuff like that. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at now. You know, we did 60 last year, and our goal is to do 100 this year. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, 60 in Reno is is not an easy task, dude. Yeah, I mean it's a small market here. There's yeah. no like people in the metro. So yeah. like, uh, yeah, I think there's only 500,000. Yeah, I mean so it's a small town. Yeah, I mean there's that's fucking impressive, dude. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this now. What is the biggest wholesale deal you've ever done in Reno? Assignment fee wise. Where you were like, holy fuck. Because flipping is different. Mm -hmm. Just the market will max you out. Yeah. So like a few of our biggest deals last year were just raw land, actually. Raw land? Like in the middle of nowhere kind of land? No, because the dirt out here in the middle of nowhere is just worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. There's so much of it. It's worth it. It's worth absolutely nothing. So so yeah, we did one like way the fuck north of here in the yeah. middle of nowhere. And this was in Q1 of... 2023, we're just contract anything. Yeah. And it got to the point, like, just to like set the stage of what it was like, where we took all those losses, we had to cut overhead. And it was just like, we had had a real conversation with the team that was like, here's the situation. We have three months left. Like, it's all hands on deck acquisitions. Everyone's doing acquisitions right now. And like, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And that's what we did. And then, so during this time, we were just desperate to contract like anything that we might be able to dispo. Yeah. Yeah. And so we bought a lot out there for like five grand is 10 acres for five grand and then relisted it on the MLS for, you know, 15 grand because the comps were at 20. Yeah. And sold it for 15. But you know what? When it's all said and done, like we made like six grand on the deal. So good ROI. Yeah. Um, Six grand, like, gives a shit and doesn't keep us in business. Yeah. That's what most of the land is like here. Yeah. But then randomly, the first one we did, it was a mistake because we actually, we forgot to scrub the land from our mailing list. <laughs> and someone called in and there's like the lot. I've made that mistake out here. Yeah. I get these deleted in the earth and I'm like, fuck this. There was nothing. So it was a lot over here in, in South Reno and like a home had burned down. Is it in still a lot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, it used to have a single family home. Yeah, yeah. And the home burned down. They already took the insurance money. It's just sitting there. So like kind of anything they can sell. Was, I yeah, was looking at fucking free money. Yeah. And so it was, you know, at the same time where it's like, well, man, it's really hard to comp, but like the best comp that we have is like 230 for a lot. And I don't think- Is this in like Arrow Creek or where is it? It's way up on Mount Rose Highway. 
So Montreal area up there. Even farther up, but yeah. Oh, shit, okay. So we're like, we could probably do something other for a hunt. So we did that. And it wasn't really a wholesale. It was another like takedown and relist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we sold that for like 180. And then we did another one. That's amazing. Yeah. He, did you close on it or did you innovate it? We closed on it. So you bought it and put it back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, same thing happened with another piece of land in South Reno with an even bigger spread, but it wasn't really a wholesale. It was a takedown and relist. Yeah. Just but you weren't rehabbing it. You're you're buying and selling. What's happening to take yeah, it? It was just dirt. You know? Yeah. And we could have like, you know, improved it or you know, done whatever, but it was just like the as is thing. So yeah. those were like our biggest spreads last year, but they were more so flips because we actually took title. But as far as like assignment fees go, man, we had one that just recently they were supposed to make 65 on and it got That's one great assignment fee. We got 40, which is so good. I don't think we've really made maybe like 50 or something as an assignment the yeah the biggest ones have been those like those, those yeah we just we just took one down last week that's a like destroyed manufactured in carson same thing you know it's a 100k purchase price and i think on a good day i could dispo it for 120 to someone to flip it yeah but we have comps for like as is plays for like 200K. Dude, take that switch down. Yeah, yeah, it makes no sense to wholesale that. Yeah. Where's like the lead I was telling you about? I'm yeah. like, fuck it. I'm just going to buy it. Yep. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I'm paying a wholesaler right now $105,000 assignment fee Damn. in New York. Yeah. Because the thing is like with wholesalers, like they think like that the buyer cares about how much they make. Mm -hmm. I could give a fucking shit. I, I, if the, I hope the wholesaler makes actually more money because then they're going to come back to me because yeah. I know I don't count their pockets. Mm -hmm. But some of these wholesalers are like, oh, well, buyers say they should only... Pay me a twenty. I'm like, what the fuck? What buyers you like that? I know those buyers are perfect. There's yeah. like real estate is a commodity. People forget that. Something buying and selling. Yeah, and doing like taking wholesaling more seriously. Yeah, dispo side. Like there are not many, but there's a couple buyers in town here that are like that. And yeah, those are the only people that like they're not on our list. You know, they're black blacklisted. Yeah, they're from customers. Like, yeah. Yeah, not worth it's it. Not worth it. So because no. someone will buy that house, right? Especially the way you guys sell your deals with Facebook and the email list. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the, the masses will see it in yep. this community. Yeah, there's yeah. easier buyers to work with. So, yeah. you know, I don't get it. Like, I'm just like you where, you know, I, I see it as an asset. Like, keep sending me deals. I hope that you put that money back into marketing and don't buy your house. But yeah, yeah and, right. but other people, like, it, especially it's, it's specifically people that have never done direct to seller. Yeah. We don't understand what you and I have to do. Oh my God. Deal. It's so hard. They've only ever been a part of like a big company or even like, you know, a Wedgwood type situation. Yeah. Wedgwood is not like this, by the way, locally at least. But, you know, being a part of a company like that is so much different. Same business, but so much different than what you and I do, where, you know, they're just a, like a cog in a really big machine. Yeah. And they don't understand. It does probably from their point of view, just because they don't know, it's just like ignorance. It does seem like the wholesalers doing nothing. They're the one taking all yeah. the risk. They they're just creating dude in the middle, making 60 grand. It's like, if you yeah. knew the amount of fucking marketing knowledge you have to have in sales skills and systems to predictably do that, you would be like, wow. And the seller drama is like, oh, thing. God, title issues, affidavits. Dude, I've had, like, I could write a book on seller drama, dude. I'm sure you can too. Especially yeah. up here. I'm sure you see a lot of meth head drafts up in like yeah. Sun Valley. Right. 100%. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's just like, what? For them, it's like, they don't know what they don't know. But at the same time, it's like, why don't you just like take a step back, stop caring about how much we make. Here's here's a deal on a silver platter. Just what close it. it. You guys, you can provide a home inspection. Yeah, yeah. Which nobody does that. Right. Yeah. I've seen your deals. I'm like, this guy pays for a home inspection. Gives, I mean, that like, mm -hmm. what else can you ask for if you're a buyer? Because I've been on both both ends of it. That's how I've developed the process. Is because like I've 
been the wholesaler that doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. I've been the wholesaler that does know what the fuck he's doing. I've been, you know, a buyer from like decent wholesalers. Yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. a buyer from really shitty wholesalers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than getting a deal through your email that has six photos. The ARV is too high by 10%. The rehab is 15K when you know it's 70. Oh, yeah. And it's, I just like, it's horrible. So then when we started doing it, I was like, what would I want to see as a buyer? I'm like, well, 150 photos, full walkthrough video inside now, home inspection, all the details, real comps, like not a rehab amount because everyone numbers are different. Yeah, for sure. They're different, but like, this is what we do or this is what it needs type thing. Yeah, like the items, not the price. Yeah. That price, you wholesalers fuck themselves. Right. I'm like, bro, just tell them that it needs work mm -hmm. and they can decide. Yeah, it's much, it's much easier or it's like, it's just better if my goal is to provide so much information up front to the buyers that they wouldn't even need to walk. Yeah, well, we do that in Delaware. We do yeah. sight and see deals all day long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all day long, dude. Yeah, because yeah. it's just like they know, mm -hmm. you know, and that trust me. I trust me because I'm a dispo guy. They trust me. They know I'm not gonna fuck them over. Mm -hmm. But yeah. they know you're right on your numbers too. Yeah, I give yeah. them a number. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Well, I give a number that's realistic. I'm like, hey, because I, I, because like I'm like you. I flip. I wholesale. I've done all those different. So like, mm -hmm. I know what a buyer is gonna pay for this on a wholesale side, right. and I know how they're gonna make profit. A lot of these new wholesalers, they don't understand that. They don't know. So they're just like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that gives you leverage as a wholesaler too, as you are actually a buyer one. We could take it down if we wanted to. So it was our option. And yeah. two, even if we don't, like there's never any any buyer pushback on like rehab. ARV is like subjective, but we're never shooting for the million eyes and they know yeah. that. So it takes all of those games out of it. The buyer where they're like, oh, well, it's only gonna resell for this. And like, I'm gonna have to spend 120 grand yeah. here. And it's like, dude, you can't bullshit me like that. Because yeah. like, I know the numbers. Yeah. yeah? So exactly. yeah, it's been a process to like kind of get where we're at. but. Yeah, overall, it's like we've just been focused on like get good at the sales and marketing. And then at some point, if we want to re-enter operations more and like start flipping more again, we can. You have the infrastructure built like yeah. the real way, which is going to give you a huge advantage versus. Right. Yeah, because yes. you, you were a rehabber and now you're a wholesaler, mm -hmm. which is like extra powerful. Mm -hmm. Right. That's our part is getting the deals. It's all, know, like, the whole business. The, the flipping thing is, you know, the operations component, like it's a necessary evil to make money on yeah. the house, but like the money is made on the acquisition. Oh, all day long. Just knowing how to, knowing how to find deals, knowing what deals look like and like putting them in contract. Like that's when you have something where you can make money. So it's like, how do you monetize that the easiest way? Yeah. Do you want to sign it? Do you want to flip it? Do you want to rent it? Like that's where I see so many new investors. I'm like, dude, if you could just get good at one marketing channel and become profitable and no direct marketing, you'll never have to worry about money again. Yeah. You might not make a hundred grand a month right away, but you'll certainly make 10 grand a month because yes. you know how to turn $1 into three to $4. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why I love wholesaling. It's a straight up ATM machine. Yeah. You know, much faster. And then like, yeah, just like the cash flow issues when you flip a lot, just Brutal. at the business level, it's, it's very hard to manage the cash flow. You know, and I'm very lucky to have Wes as my partner. So he can build us some like really cool tools. And like we have a cash flow management thing that works yes. pretty well. But even with that, it's very hard to have like eight, 10 active rehabs. And you always have the rehab money coming, going out and yeah. nothing coming in. Yeah. They sell. It just comes and goes. It's like you're, you, you know, you know, you have all these accounts receivable and you get it on the sale and you got to pump it right back out and the next house. Yeah. So you never like sitting on a lot of cash yeah right? you're always just recycling that cash and you know, people a lot of big flippers are like oh man this is this isn't worth it it's like you have two million out in accounts receivable but you got 
you know, 50, 60 G's a month of overhead, like, you know, the fucking equity ain't going to pay for that shit. Yep. Exactly. So that's why I love to do both wholesale and flip. Like I love to wholesale, like I call it like our base hit business, 20 K wholesale deals on the East coast, a little bit here starting to do. And then like the fucking home runs, I take those things down. Yeah. Buyers never know about them. Like I own them. Like there's just no need to do that. Yeah. Right. It makes total sense. Like, and that's how you maximize your, your profit. hundred percent. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's very difficult to get to that point where you can, make those decisions yeah like this one makes more sense to do this. yeah this one makes more sense to do this and like i think that's where you know we just had a shift of just trying to become good like not yeah. just like the deals not like oh we're we're just trying to you know wholesale as many as we can it's like how do we like we we just want to strive like you know it's two different businesses acquisitions and dispositions so it's just like how do we become like 100% better than our competition as far as like the service that we give the seller? Yeah. And then also, how do we become like the number one provider of off-market investment opportunities for every other buyer in, in town? I think you're already doing that. So that's what, yeah. that's like the, the purpose of the company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're already there, to be honest. I mean, yeah. there's and nobody else really in Reno that's, that's the yeah, other there's guy. There's no one that really wholesales like at scale at all. No. And, you know, if I didn't know better, you know, if I went on investor lift and, and went on, you know, deals sold and I saw that, you know, Alex or Cody is the dispo manager on every single one, I'd be like, oh shit, this is like untapped, unsaturated market. But it, you know, the reason why is it, it's a tough market. Dude, it's so hard. It's hard here. And most of the big buyers, because it is so hard, they also do their own marketing. So there's yeah. not like a need for wholesalers to provide deals to everyone. Yeah, they're already out there doing the same thing. Yeah. You so know, the websites, the mailers, everyone's yeah. doing it. So, and that's that's what's really challenging for us is like we do compete with our own buyers. On the same. On the same deal. Yeah. 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 And it's super competitive. I'm sure it's like that in, in most markets. But yeah, you know, that's something that's always a challenge for us. But you know, at the same time, you know, that's the difference between like wholesaling when you don't know what you're doing and then wholesaling when you do like for the seller, you know, I know for a fact that like whatever we promise the seller, that's exactly how the transaction is going to go. Be yeah. Whether we take it down, whether another buyer takes it down, it's indifferent to the seller. It makes no difference at all. Yeah. So that's how we can be, you know, comfortable and confident that just like this is the deal for the seller and then you know, whatever we end up doing with it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not, not going to impact the seller. They're going to get the same thing yeah. they ever promised, whether you assign it or buy it, they're getting X. Yep. And it's not like, oh, like if I can't figure this out, like I'm going to screw over the seller yeah. type thing. Like we, from being a buyer, you know, we just know the numbers good enough where it's like, this is our max offer and we can either wholesale it or we can take it down. Yeah. And like it's a deal. That's what gives, you know, your brand a good reputation too, because yeah. the sellers know that. They're going to go with you over the guy who's yeah. going to wholesale it. Yeah, doesn't know shit about this market. Yeah, it's we we don't have to renegotiate very often. Yeah, we try not to. I know there's you know a lot of people that like teach renegotiation, renegotiate every fuck deal. Disgusting. Yeah, we don't we don't do. Why it. I renegotiate if I fuck something up or the seller didn't disclose yeah. something like yeah. septic shot. I didn't know about that. Yeah, I looked. It might have been when we were talking on Instagram. I dug through you know our deals last year, and I think we had 10, 10 renegotiations out of all the deals. Nine of them were successful. And all 10 of them were deals that were done over the phone because case in point is yes, exactly. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't disclose the facts. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what helps about actually paying for a home inspection too. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Hey, this is not what we thought it was. Here's the home inspection. It's yeah. not like 
they have to take our word for it. And it's not like, oh, they're just trying to get it for less. And giving them the facts up front. And right. they can see pictures and actually yeah. a guy with a license saying, hey, like, this is a fucked up house. Yeah. You might not have known it was fucked up, but yeah. now that it's fucked up, let's talk about it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. That's, that's my favorite negotiation line is we have to do it is, hey, I actually do this the other day with a seller. X, Y, Z occurred. Nobody knew about it before. What do you think we should do? Yeah. And then it's the fucking seller's idea. Mm-hmm. If they want to go that route. Yeah. Instead of being like, hey, I got to be 10 grand cheaper. Mm-hmm. Hey, the, well, this case, the property had a condemned violation against it. Like the city was going to knock it down. Mm-hmm. Hey, we didn't know there was this notice of pendency condemn doc on here. What do you think we should do about that? Because that wasn't in our original plan. And you didn't know that either because it came after we got title back. Right. She was like, well, looks like I'm going to have to take less. There you go. There you go. Right. Right. right? That's it. And like a lot of people be like, oh, yeah, lock it up. And then once your contract, you know, you've been, been that's fucking garbage, man. That's how people get a bad reputation. Yeah. That's why I follow that advice. Yeah. That's why wholesaling is like the used car. Of yeah. Yeah. It's like the pawn shop of real estate. Yeah. And it's because of stuff yeah. like that. And also it's, you know, I couldn't talk too much shit because that was me, you know, the guy that me too, bro. got into it through that and didn't know what I was doing. Yep. And it's just like, yeah, there's, a lot of wholesalers have to cancel on sellers yeah. because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the numbers. And yeah. that's why they even locked up a deal, you know, in a competitive market is because their offer was off by 50K. And they didn't know better. They didn't know. But that's why, you know, they can go to people like you, the read when they can partner with you and they can go yeah. to read up. So as we start to wrap the show, if people are listening and they're their local arena or they want, you have a lot of YouTube content too and social media. Yeah. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? You know, on, a, on the YouTube side and then on your social media side, maybe they have a deal for you or something like that. Yeah. My Instagram is Yo, it's Feeky, F E E K I. Yo, it's Feeky. I've never changed it. Like that's that. from the rapping days. Okay. And then, yeah, my YouTube is Feeky Flips because I just wanted to keep that for the time being at least. But yeah, just Instagram's good. You yeah. Know, just hit me up there. And I always try to help out like as I can. Yeah. Because I got help, you know, when I was new, I was lucky enough to, you know, get hooked up with a buyer that was not like, the pocket watcher and yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> pocket watcher. That's he, fucking funny. He understood that like yeah. wholesalers are an asset to him. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Don't, don't know what they're doing. Yeah, so he helped me out a lot just by pocket being watcher. Being I'm still that yeah. yeah, yeah. He was always available and like would answer my questions. Yeah, and probably because he knew that like, all right, if I help this kid, I'm gonna get at least a house out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I probably just didn't portray myself as like a total idiot. Yeah. And that's why he did it. So I try to like pay it forward and do the same. So yeah. if, you know, and I run a local meetup here, so I try to help out with numbers and stuff and like make sure that the the wholesalers don't have to worry about me like going behind their back and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like I'll follow up with them and be like, hey, what's going on with this? What's going on with this? But like, if they give me the address before they have in contract, like I'll just say, hey, here's what, if this was our lead, here's ARB rehab. Max offer, I think I could dispel it for Yes, them. I do the same thing with guys. And they trust me and they trust mm-hmm. you because they know when I fuck them. We got way too many things going on to mm-hmm. fuck over a wholesale for just in case I'm fit. Right. Your reputation is not worth it. Yeah. Anything. And like once you get to the point where you can spend money in marketing and you have like a sales team and stuff, like it's more about volume than like. Yeah, you have an abundance of leads. Yeah. You lose a house, you get the next one. Right. It's not like well, I don't think all. It's not worth the time to like pursue this one home. Yeah. Right. It's like it's worth their time because they don't have enough leads to work yeah. on yet. So like, Go all in, go after yeah. the house, go get it. But like, just because I helped you, just bring it to me, you know? Yeah. That's, that's like not a rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we do. Yeah. And we get a lot of JV deals from that because yeah. they see all like my shit. They see your shit and like, oh shit, I got a house in Reno or fucking New York. Like, mm-hmm. gonna call the fucking guy who talks about it all the time. Right. Right. And I always say to wholesalers, like new wholesalers, there's a very good chance they're gonna make more money splitting a deal with me or you than they would on their own. Because mm-hmm. our buyers just are strong and we know what we're fucking doing. 100%. Yeah. And they get to see the whole process from start to finish. Yeah. And it's a good way to get, 
your eyes tied because you know number one we're going to make some money and number two they're going to get value it's a it's an equal value yeah. value exchange versus like let me pick your brand for 20 yeah. minutes at lunch yeah no i think you're you know 100 right i heard your your content when you were talking about that and yeah that's you know, that's why i run the numbers because you know at some point the the way that you get the big fees is by doing the dispo process properly yeah so like we have to run the numbers first before we jv because we're not going to go through the whole thing and only to realize what we already know that it's not it's a deal. deal. Yeah. So like if there is like, you know, at least a 20K fee, I think to split, then we can do the dispo process for you and, and manage it out that. And that's where, you know, maybe we get a 35K fee, we split it and you would have, because like, you just don't know yet. You know, maybe you would have got a 5K on your own just by giving into the one buy. Yeah, so there's a Randy down the street who knows he's got you in a corner basically, right. yep. you know? Yeah. That's awesome stuff, man. Well, thanks for being a guest. First in-person radio show. Yeah. And so with Yo, it's Fiki on Instagram and then Fiki Flips and then Reno area. I'm reading your hat. Reno area home buyers, not house buyers. So ReNoAreaHomeBuyers.com. Yeah. Check them out. Thanks everyone for watching the show. We'll see you on the next one.